0: state's police officers take an oath to defend their constitution, but their more colloquial vow is to serve and protect. That is precisely what former cop Jerry Cassaday believed he was doing when he shot and killed Bruce Miller. But Cassaday wasn't upholding this vow. He had killed an innocent man. He was acting on the coercion and manipulation of his lover and Bruce's wife, Shuri Miller. Three months later, Cassidy would turn the gun on himself. The following contains distressing content and coarse language. It's not intended for all listeners. Hi, welcome to Nightmare Somewhere. This case is very twisted and it was highly publicised. So it's been covered by the true crime documentary circuit and um, some made for TV movies. So I was really surprised that not many podcasts have been done on the case. But um... (laughs) Now that I say that, uh, um, it just occurred to me that maybe podcasts haven't been made because it has been thrashed already. But um, I'm going to do it anyway, now that I've written it all out. So, local investigators called it their first death by computer. And it occurred in the early days of computer forensics. It came close to a potentially perfect murder, so please stay with me. While I outline the love triangle and the murder plot and a bit about this woman who only wanted it all. So Flint, Michigan in 1999, 48 year old Bruce Miller was settling into married life. So it was in April of that year that he married 26 year old Cherie. Bruce was a hard worker. He held down a job at General Motors, as well as his side business at a wrecking yard in Vienna Township. Bruce had met Cherie two years earlier when she began working at the junkyard. So Cherie was vivacious, adventurous and outgoing, which um, was in contrast to Bruce, who was more reserved. Bruce cared deeply for Cherie who um, saw her as a young woman who had a hard life. So she was a single mother of three, and she had grown up in a trailer park. She had a history of abusive relationships. Her second husband had assaulted her then six-year-old son. He had hit him so brutally that it resulted in numerous skull fractures, and her husband served a prison sentence for this. Bruce didn't have kids of his own and he wanted to adopt Cherie's two sons and daughter and give them the security that had been lacking in their lives. Mr Miller was besotted with his new wife and content in the um, whirlwind marriage. The same couldn't be said though for Cherie. People around her didn't even know that she had married Bruce and were floored when they found out because Shree had been acting very much single and flirting with men as much as ever. So she began working as a beauty consultant for Mary Kay Cosmetics and so that sounds a bit like Avon was in Australia, so the consultants who need to pursue their own sales with According to the documentary Edward Scissorhands, they do the door knocking and um, uh, the product parties. Not sure what documentary that one came from. She uh, she threw herself into it and told Bruce that she will be needing a computer. He was happy to buy her one. He was happy to give her anything that made her happy. Cherie was working hard at building her business when she somehow stumbled upon an adult chat room. She was a big fan immediately. So this was the sort of thing that was missing in her life according to Cherie. So sure Bruce was a good man but to Cherie he was more suitably defined as boring. She took a subtle approach when chatting in these groups only using tame usernames like Horny7241, love me slowly, and I want to be laid. It was in one of these chat rooms that she would meet former police officer and father of one, Jerry Cassidy. I think the comparisons um, of their usernames reveal a bit from the get-go. So Cassidy was going by the name Reno Dudes. As um, at this point in time, he was working at a casino in Reno, Nevada. The pair began to chat regularly. Um, At this point, Cassidy was down on his luck and suffering depression and substance abuse issues following the breakdown of his marriage and losing custody of his son. Cherie offered him a welcome distraction from his pain and he was hooked. There was a supposed Mary Kay conference to be held in Reno but this is more likely to have been just a cover for her trip. They planned to meet in person and that was pretty much curtains for Cassidy in a sense. He explained to a friend that she would do anything in the bedroom. The affair continued after her trip to Reno and they would exchange countless emails and messages in the months following, as well as a few more times in person. I believe Cherie um, did go to Nevada a few more times. She had told him that she was a wealthy businesswoman living with a disabled husband, but soon sort of modified this a little bit, at least the second part. So she began to tell Cassidy of how her husband was involved in organized crime and he would beat her. So this would be considered as you know groundwork for what was to come. So as I mentioned, Cassidy had been a police officer. He had aspirations um, actually um, of becoming an FBI agent, but he believed every single thing that Cherie was feeding him. Oh. So, I'm not sure how a consultancy business, like, is that what it's called? Consultancy? Hmm. Um, I'm not sure how those sales were going at the moment, but Cassidy was about to be slammed with a real hard sell. So, she messaged him, telling him that she was pregnant and he was the father. He was ecstatic at the news and marvelled at the sonogram photo she sent him and the pregnancy stick that she tweaked and the photos of her growing belly. Something else was visible in these photos. They were strategically placed bruises which worked to highlight the relentless beatings she said that she got from Bruce. Days later, she sent him an email telling him that Bruce had raped her so brutally that she lost the baby. She became pregnant again though, with twins this time, and a second pregnancy is particularly remarkable since she had a tubal ligation years earlier. His hopes were crushed again though when he received an email, this time not from Cherie. Well, at least Cassidy didn't think it was from Cherie. She had created an email account in her husband's name and emailed him, taunting him and telling him that, so from Bruce, that he forced Cherie to get an abortion, adding, now you know you won't be responsible for any little bastards. So Cassidy was right for the picking roundabout now. And on the 8th of November, 1999, I'll remind you that Cherie and Bruce got married in April of that year. So this is like six months later. So Cassidy believed he was doing something right, protecting this woman and her children, when he shot Bruce Miller in the office of his scrapyard. Bruce was at his desk on the phone to Cherie, and Cassidy burst through the door, and shot him in the neck. As instructed by Cherie, he grabbed the cash out of Bruce's wallet, then left the scene without leaving a trace. Bruce was discovered by his brother, who went to go and check on him after Cherie expressed concern when he didn't come home on time. So being a former cop, Cassidy knew just how to avoid leaving evidence and um, local investigators were at a loss. All they could figure out was that it must have been a robbery. So I believe he, was, uh, he did take $2,000. So again, Bruce carried a fair bit of cash with him and there would have been probably a bit more in the office and this was no secret. Plenty of people knew about it. The investigators did have a suspect. It was a former co-worker who had a slight against Bruce because of um, something like a license plate scam they had at one point. But um, it was only speculation about um, this, um, the suspect and um, the murder went unsolved for months. Sheree was never considered a suspect Um, She, for a start, she had been at home at the time and the phone records would have shown that. And apparently in articles it says she wasn't a suspect because they had a solid relationship, which is weird because right in front of me I've got another article and it says how sister-in-law Judy Miller had said Cherie's behaviour didn't gel with most people's notion of a grieving spouse. And um, a witness came and explained how two days after the death, the murder of her husband that she loved so badly, Shuri was dancing in a bar committing sex acts on the floor. Not on the floor. Committing sex acts on someone, I guess, while standing on the floor. I'm, I'll be back. After the murder, Cherie became the owner of the salvage yard, which she subsequently sold. And the $16,000 they had in their bank accounts stock and eighty thousand dollars in insurance. She went on to move her new man into her home a few weeks after the murder. This man was not Jerry Cassidy. In fact, she had pretty much instantly dwindled contact before cutting him off completely. So this wasn't only a bit of a cruel way to behave, it was also pretty stupid. Cassidy had been in bad shape when she met him. So after committing a murder and being dropped by this woman he adored, he had really sort of lost whatever he had left. Inside his apartment in Missouri. Sitting in an armchair with an open Bible on his knee, Cassidy shot himself with a .22 caliber rifle. He was 39. A few days later, his uh, family were packing up his belongings and they found a briefcase along with some suicide notes under his bed. The briefcase contained a computer hard drive some playing cards, a CD, a picture of a sonogram and transcripts of the pair's emails and instant messages. In the suicide note addressed to his brother Cassaday explained just what to do with it, handed over to the Flint Michigan Police Department. Investigators would later refer to it as the blueprint for the murder. She was arrested as she stepped off a plane. She and her new boyfriend were returning from a leisure trip to Reno, from Reno let's say. I'll give you the mega abridged version of the trial. So the defense put forward that the instant messages and the email transcripts were susceptible to forgery. They made out that Cassidy was gullible but that's me putting it nicely. They worded it, a vindictive alcoholic drug abuser. Um, So they said that Cassidy um, was already suicidal and he had set up Cherie in an act of revenge because she broke things off with him. Cherie said that the affair was just a fantasy. The prosecution came back with, like, well, what's the go with these pregnancy photos? And Cherie said that she pretended to be pregnant to cheer him up because he was so down and out. She then explained that she had to make excuses for losing the babies so that he didn't expect her to be pregnant the next time they saw each other. And um, the prosecution then re-emphasized. She knew exactly how important children were to Jerry. Like, I could never be a prosecutor. Hey, I'd just end up saying, "Is that the best excuse you could come up with?" Like, I, I had to explain it away, so I made up these brutal reasons, you know, he, oh my gosh, it's just so stupid and also when I said that out loud I thought, well, I wouldn't cut it as a defence attorney either, would I? Um, where, where, where? Oh. So, some of the court, um, in the court, some of the instant messages were read aloud. So, I'm going to attempt them, uh, but I don't think I'll um capture the atmosphere, so well doing it myself. Like, I'm going to have to try and do both Cherie and Jerry. And I don't think I've got the right accent for it to start. So, I'll start with Cherie. Jerry, I am scared. Jerry, if this don't work, he will hurt me bad. It'll work. What is the fastest way into the yard from 75. 75 to Mount Morris Road Exit. Now you listen to me for a minute. I will call Bruce at 5pm. Okay. Is the gun loud? Somewhat. Just do it and get the hell out of there. I want him to know who I am. Jerry, please. He will know. He will know, but not for long. And then, just to um, end with, Sheree asks, are you going to be able to live with this the rest of your life? Because I can. And Jerry replies, I love you. Yes, I can. The motive caused a bit of confusion at trial. So, if you, as I said earlier, she did get 80000 in insurance, but... It didn't specify whether it was life insurance and the term life insurance specifically was not mentioned anywhere in the documents or the, um, the court transcripts. So um, it was put forward that she enjoyed taking things up a notch and she was possibly just a thrill seeker. The jury deliberated for 15 hours before returning with a guilty verdict for conspiracy to commit first-degree murder and second-degree murder. So, two different charges. Um, this, the other one, so conspiracy to commit first-degree murder and the other charge is second-degree murder as an aid or a better. She was sentenced to life in prison. One of the saddest things like in this case is, um, to me anyway, is uh, one of his suicide notes. So Jerry wrote, um, I believe, at least three. And the one to his mother, it shows that he still believed many of the things that Cherie had told him, including the two pregnancies and the abuse. He wrote to his mother, those were my babies. I loved them. I wanted them. And he also mentioned that as a former cop, He could never face prison, and he asked that everything he had be given to his son. Quickly, Sheree was let out of prison in two thousand and nine when a retrial was ordered. So this centered on whether Cassidy's suicide note should have been admitted in the first trial. And um, it was an issue because he was not able to be cross-examined and have the note scrutinized, no doubt. And The conviction was reinstated in 2012, so she had three years of freedom. She maintained her innocence during these trials and for several years afterwards. But in 2016, she wrote a letter to the judge and prosecutor of her trial and confessed. She admitted to using sex and lies to manipulate Jerry Cassidy into killing Bruce Miller. She called Bruce Miller a great man and the only man who ever loved her. During the time that she was released, she says that um, she came to understand the sort of damage that she did to both the Miller and Cassidy families. And during the time she was out, this included the birth of her granddaughter. She said this was a sort of turning point for her. And this admission has ended any sort of potential avenues for an earlier release. She is serving her original sentence, life in prison at the Women's Huron Valley Correctional Facility. Thank you, guys. That's it for me. I could ramble on, and believe me, I do want to. I've got a shitload more I'd like to say. But I'm trying to be you know a bit more professional and conservative. So that's it. See you next time. Bye bye.